This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild course language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson, and it is early morning on Mother's Day in Australia, Sunday morning, and it feels particularly early morning this morning, Charlie, because we stayed up last night and watched the Faith No More special on Rage. And right. uh, Well, it went, I think, until about 5.30, 6 o'clock this morning. That's when uh, Amy finally made it to bed. I made it till about 3.30, 4 o'clock before I was like, wow. I have to go to sleep so that I can wake up for my podcast. And I have barely woken up for the podcast. <laughs> How do you... Uh uh, look, I mean, you know, a new parent and everything like that. The idea of staying up past 10 p.m., like, unassisted. How, the, how, does, that, how does that go? Well, we had a nap beforehand. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we, had, we had to have dinner and then have a nap so that we could wake up at midnight to start watching music videos on Rage. I felt like I was uh, 13 or 14 years ago, 14 years old again. Yeah, how much red cordial did you have? You had red cordial, did you have lollies in a bowl, popcorn, chips, everything, mate? Everything well, you ever I, want. I actually suggested that we should get snacks and Amy did look at me like, are you a teenage boy? And I was like, oh, well, <laughs> yes. I think the last time I did that, this I was a teenage boy. So yes, in my mind, I am still a teenage boy and we will need cheesels. <laughs> so while you are morphing back into your teenage self, I find myself morphing into an old man. Uh, my old man rage is continuing unabated. and I love it. Like I'm, I'm trying to. I'm assuming it's it's down to sleep deprivation because I'm finding myself crotchetier than I normally would be. And look, I'll give you a couple of examples, and you just sort of tell me. I personally, I don't feel like it's unwarranted. I feel like mm. I, I, I've been justified That's in my outburst. Classic old man narc behavior. Self justification <laughs> is I, definitely I, the first step. It's not me that's the problem. It's the world that's the problem. It's these teenagers that are the problem. Everybody, it's everybody else's fault but mine, says Captain Narc. It's so weird. Like, my memories of my dad, you know, was always he was angry. Like, he, I just remember him walking around just like with this coil. Do you remember the dad from the Wonder Years? You remember how that, mm. that betrayal of fatherhood was? And he would just come home from work exhausted and just wanted to eat dinner and maybe watch some TV and go to bed and... Anything that the kids brought up to him was just a hassle. Like that was kind of like how it felt like with my dad. You know, I'd see him come home from work, shoulders hunched, to just want to sit down, just have something to eat, maybe have a quiet beer. Granted, he had nine kids, you know, and he was a dentist, you know, which is a stressful occupation and stuff. So I can understand why he had the weight of the world on his shoulders. But I'm finding myself <laughs> doing that, and I've got one kid. And I live a fairly laissez-faire lifestyle, but so yesterday morning, right? Well, maybe that was new- that. Was, maybe that was your dad's attitude, though. But maybe after one kid, he was feeling the exact same anger and stress levels, and he went, "Well, <laughs> fuck it. At least, at least I might as well have some more kids." To see how far how far I can go into this rabbit hole. Maybe if I get to like seven or eight, then uh, I'll start to like him. <laughs> oh yeah. So is is that like the speed philo- philosophy? It's like when Keanu and uh, Sandra Bullock are on the train at the end. His solution is to is to speed the speeding train up. Maybe if you go fast enough, you'll come out the other end. I'd like to think it's more the Fast and the Furious solution. In that, if he keeps making them, he thinks they'll get better. <laughs> but they did. They did. It and it was all the, and it was all about family. So I must be the Fast Eight or whatever they're up to now because that's the last one. I'm the one with Charlize Theron. <laughs> he just missed out on sending one of his kids to space. <laughs> uh, so yesterday, 
There's a brand new bakery that's opened up around the corner from us. And Will, next time you're in Sydney, I will bring you a box of their croissants because I think arguably these are the best croissants I've ever had in my life. Okay. Brand new uh, bakery, French chef. Uh, I've met him myself. He's a lovely guy. So I figure he's either French or he's doing an accent that sounds French and I just don't know. (laughs) It sounds well, you French wouldn't. to me. You wouldn't, because I've heard your French accent, so you'd have no idea. Um, Was he playing a tiny accordion at the time and going, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, he cycled his bicycle up, onions around his neck, his striped T-shirt, tipped his beret as he entered the bakery. <laughs> bonjour, bonjour. Ah, you'd like to sample my finest pastries. Let me tell you about life. It is an existential crisis from which there is no awaking. <laughs> Uh, no, there's a great bakery. And um, so traditionally, Saturday morning, we like to get some baked goods. So I let Gemma sleep in. I put Iona in the, in the old pouch and we wandered down there. And because of the social distancing, you know, they've sort of uh, taped up the sidewalk, two metres in between. So it's pretty obvious when you get there, you get up and you line up. So I was walking down there and I was like, oh, brilliant. Because normally this place is it's very popular. And because it was early in the morning, I was like, oh, great. There's no one there. So as I'm approaching the store... From the other direction, and look, I'm going to profile this group of people. I'm going to say they were young. Okay. I'm going to say they were young Christians. <laughs> they just had that energy. <laughs> they were kind of you no. Know, firstly, it's a Saturday morning and like seven thirty in the morning, and they're in their late teens, early twenties, and they're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. They look like they've just come up from the beach, like a walk from from the beach. So I'm like. Why weren't you out drinking last night? Why weren't you like, you know, uh, uh, and ignoring COVID-19 rules and just partying? Why do you look so bright and happy and so chatty? Um, and two of them were American. So that even confirmed my suspicions that they're most likely Christians. Hillsong, that's my now, guess. Yeah, I was going to say, when you say Christians, you don't mean sort of Mormon style button up Christians. You're talking about groovy, groovy. bright-eyed young people. Yeah, you turn, your chair, turn your chair backwards, let's wrap, wrap about Christ type. Uh, Jesus, Jesus wants you to be rich, that, yeah. that doctrine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. He didn't, yeah, he didn't kick the moneylenders out of the temple. He said, go for it, guys. Double down. Yeah. It, it, what we're saying, guys, is we're not going into the temple either. We're hanging outside with the moneylenders who are the cool people. Um, so they like uh, appeared out of nowhere and managed to slot in. And because there was four of them, um, and the, the, the way they do the store is it's only two in at a time. Mm. And so they just, they're obviously getting a big order for their other, you know, Hillsong mates back at the beach or wherever they're going. Cause it was like, we want a box of this and a box of that. And then each one of them had a different drink order and there's only one barista. And I'm like, okay, that's all right. You know? And so I was, my top hadn't blown at this stage. Mm. Um, and there's also a bunch of people who put their orders in just sort of loitering around on the footpath. So it was a pretty obvious system if you approached. You know, you line up at the taped marks and then when you put your order in, you hang out on the street and then there's a little table that they come and put your order on, you collect it from and take off. So I'm watching the fourth of the Christians go in and um, I'm next. And I see this guy and his girlfriend rock up and he just kind of completely ignores everyone ignores the marks and just walks straight in to the store and i'm like firstly i'm like okay well maybe he pre like he called ahead he's picking up an order no 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 i see him like you know peruse the store pick out something he wants order a coffee so i'm like right <laughs> put the earmuffs on iona <laughs> walk up to the door i'm like hey <laughs> and he turns around i'm like mate did you see this line here do you think we're standing here for our health and he was like... Well, you were okay. technically standing there for your health. That's exactly what you were doing. <laughs> you were 100% the definition of standing there for your health. <laughs> and the health of others. I wish I'd said that. <laughs> um, I said, there's a line here. And he's like, oh, sorry. And I'm like, well, you can come back out. And he's like, well, I've, I've paid already. And I was like, oh, fuck, okay. So had to come out. Then, um, so I've let him get away with it. And then the Christians, the, the little table outside the cafe is, it's not for hanging out on. It's for putting orders on so people can go and get their stuff. But the Christians decide they're all going to put their elbows up on the table and have a chat about Jesus, rap about Jesus or whatever it is. So I'm sitting there like going, all right, when they bring my, my croissants and my coffee out, like I assume they're going to move. They bring out the coat, they put it down, they call out my name and the Christians don't move. They're all huddled around this table in the era of COVID, Will. They didn't part like the Red Seas when I approached. They stayed They stayed right there. And so, again, I was like, hey, guys, could you create a little space? And the way they looked at me was like I was the crazy old man. 
Now tell me, Will, was I out of line, considering what had led to that point, and they had seen the guy butt cutting in front of me and stuff, am I the asshole in this situation? Well, they might feel that uh, they're getting a bit of anger, anger that was actually directed at the other guy. <laughs> I feel like they might have felt like they were getting a bit of your past on anger, that everything was fine with them. And they might have felt like their Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ being persecuted by the Romans. You were the Romans in this. You were Julius Caesar, Julius, uh, who was it? No, who was it? Pontius Pilate. Uh, Pontius Pilate. You were Pontius Pilate. And you were Pontius Pilate. Pontius. Pontius. Pontius Pontius. Pontius Pilate. Poncho Pilate. You were Pontius. You were Poncho Pilot. You were the Poncho Pilot. I was about to be bloody with the Punchy Pilot. I tell you that much. That's what I should have said to them. Hey, Christians. Well, you were, you were, you were. Hey, Christians. Much like your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you were about to get crucified not on a cross but on a croissant. <laughs> yeah, but on a hot cross bun, not by Pontius Pilot, by bloody Punchy Pilot. Now get out of the fucking way. Um, all right. So collected all that. Came, mm. came back. That was all fine. Um, in the meantime, uh, today is Mother's Day, and uh, it's Gemma's first uh, year as a mother. And yes, so, I thought about that this morning. So I organised um, her favourite. There's a really great florist just down the road, and they do like nice little packages. So I went down and um, uh, booked some flowers. And at the time, so we have a pretty set morning routine with feeding and getting up, and I'll get up and make breakfast for everyone. And uh, so that happens around about 8, 8 a.m., and so I'd sort of originally, when I booked the flowers a few days ago, had said, I'll deliver them at 10 a.m. because that's when Iona will be down. And, and then I, yesterday I was like, oh, you know what? Like, it'd be probably better for Jem to get them as soon as she wakes up. So at 8 a.m. when she comes out to breakfast, beautiful flowers on the table. So during, uh, nice. Jem was having a nap yesterday. So again, Iona's been witness to a lot of this stuff. I hope it's, <laughs> I hope it's not... <laughs> I was not like molding her mind at all. Uh, so I, I decided to walk down to the florist and just say, um, I said, look, I, maybe your dad wasn't even that grumpy, Charlie. You just have repressed, repressed memories of being a baby him. and him yelling at complete strangers in lines and getting mad well, at florists. To, to be, this one, I didn't actually, I didn't, my anger was all internalized. I didn't actually let go at anyone because so I, I go to them and I say, hey, um, I said, I, uh, I put an order in online um, for delivery tomorrow at 10 a.m. But I wouldn't, could you, what's the earliest you can deliver? And they said, 8 a.m. I said, perfect. Could you, I said, I'm just around the corner. Could you deliver at 8 a.m. tomorrow? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. And I was like, okay, cool. And because my place is a little tricky to find if you haven't been there before, I gave them very specific instructions on, you know, you let yourself in here, you come up to here, blah, 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 blah. Last night, and I, look, this part I will take ownership for. This is my own fault because I was... Uh, cock of the walk felt very proud of myself being super organized with the mother's day thing and very confident in you know what and what i what i'd laid out and so Gemma has gone oh you know oh it's mother's day tomorrow i didn't even realize and so i thought well here's a great opportunity for me to do a bit of misdirection so i was like ah mother's day no one really cares about that no one does anything for mother's day and she's like, oh, you know, and I could see, it didn't like really hurt her feelings, but I could see she was a little like, oh, you know, it's a little insensitive. I just, you know, I was hoping that maybe he would have been more thoughtful around this time. And I was like, perfect, reeled her in. She's going to, surprise is going to be <laughs> even bigger now. She's already your wife. You don't need to nag her, but sure. <laughs> so I told him to build the anticipation. I'm a showman after all. Uh, so I had her going to sleep with that thought of, oh, well, you know, maybe Charlie doesn't think about, you know, maybe I'll get breakfast in bed if I'm lucky or something. What I love about this is it would have been enough just to get her flowers. You didn't have to introduce the possibility that you weren't going to give her flowers <laughs> in such a callous way to then <laughs> give her flowers the next night. You didn't have to give her a sleepless <laughs> night that her husband didn't care about her first ever Don't mother's Don't put day. any mayo on it. It wasn't callous. It was just more of a planting a seed just to have a bigger surprise. And yep. in the history of our relationship, this has been a tradition for us, for both of us. It yes. goes both ways. Before giving a gift, we will often neg the person or make it seem like they're not going to get something just mm. as a little bit of a game. So it's there is a tradition. Yeah. I don't want to make it sound like this is just no. something I did apropos of nothing. And so as Gemma wept herself to sleep next to you, what happened? <laughs> well, so a couple things happened. And the one thing in particular which makes me go, okay, maybe this isn't just me 
uh, you know, big transforming into a grumpy old man. Maybe parenthood is transforming both of us into grumpy old people because of a lack of sleep. So I own a sleep training at the moment. So that's a point. Uh, sleep training is a transition point where you go sort of from sort of feeding them every two hours and stuff where you start spacing the feeds out and then, you know, eliminating the feeds. And the idea being that you want them to start sleeping for 12 hours. So you put them down at 7 p.m. They wake up at 7 a.m. So we're doing pretty well. It's been up and down the last couple of weeks. Um, but then the last few days, she's been waking up bang on like 3 a.m., which was one of her, her feed times. So it's been this kind of negotiation of like just trying to give her a little bit of milk but get her back to sleep. And um, some nights have been better than others. Um, but last night in particular, it was just – it was a particularly grisly night. And, you know, Jem got up at 3. She did 3 to 4. Couldn't get her down. I got up. I did 4 to 5. And it was just – it's sort of like other parents will understand what it's like. It's not so much where it's like constant crying. It's more like it's more like trying to defuse a bomb where there is a clock ticking and you're just sort of like playing with wires and some wires will make her grizzle a bit louder and others will go a bit quieter. But there's never any kind of... You never feel safe. Like even when she stopped making noise and, you know, you'll have one hand resting on her and you, you know, and you're shushing her and stuff like that. And it feels like, you know, you just raise your hand like half an inch and then you have to put your hand back down. So it's this constant, it's like hypervigilance, right? So where we live is quite noisy. You know, I've talked about the traffic noise, but there was someone talking out in the street at about three in the morning. And it just... You know, you just figure, okay, maybe it's two mates walking home from a party or whatever, someone's house like that. But it goes for an hour and it gets louder. And so we look out the window and it's not two guys, it's one dude sitting at the bus stop on his phone smoking cigarettes, but has been talking continuously for like an hour. So I think at the point in which Gemma and I tag teamed and I went back to bed and she went back into the nursery, about 10 minutes goes by. And then I just hear this like Gemma thundering up the hallway. <laughs> she goes to our bedroom balcony, which faces out in the street. And she's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and this guy's like, what? And she's like, be quiet. Shush. Shut up. Like every variation on. <laughs> shut your mouth. Silencio. Yeah. And then the guy like had this sort of goal to sort of like try and defend his position of it being like four in the morning and having like a really loud conversation. It's like, oh, fuck, man. Like there are well, I would have thought that house. the sort of person who is uh, having a loud conversation at four in the morning might be in the sort of mood where they feel a little <laughs> mouthy when an argument's raised. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? <clears throat> he did eventually go with his tail between his legs. I think... There is a inherent um, uh, fire to a mother, uh, especially like a new mother, that even like the toughest of men see and go, oh, I don't want to fuck with this person. There is a combination of like fierce lioness protectiveness and also a homicidal lack of sleep going on here where anything could happen. And we have an array of cutting and stabbing implements in this apartment, which could have been easily deployed. So, okay. So that was the night. So we both wake up. Just a little kind of like, you know, probably how you're feeling this morning, <laughs> except we didn't get to watch Faith, Faith No More. We just woke up a bit grizzled and tired. Well, weirdly enough, I did spend a lot of the night listening to a man yelling after watching yeah. Faith No More. So. <laughs> so it gets to like, um, uh, she does a 7am feed. So Jem's in the 7am feed. So just before 8, I'm, I, I go, okay, well, it's been a rough night but we're going to turn things around because I'm going to leap out of bed and there's going to be a knock on the door at 8 a.m. and everything's going to be great. So I get up and I, uh, Sunday is pancake day, healthy pancake day. Um, do you want to know my ingredients for a healthy pancake? They taste delicious. Oh, yeah. Please tell me a- how you've spoiled pancakes. <laughs> well, here's the thing. You don't need flour. You just take an egg, oh, uh, an egg, up. a of banana. Of course you need flour. Flour is half, the main ingredient Half a of cup pancake. of oats. You can't even call it a pancake. A little bit of baking soda. It doesn't have flour in it. What is it that you're making? It's delicious. It's egg, it's egg, banana, oats, a little bit of baking soda, and it is and a tiny little bit of vanilla protein powder if you want some extra extra kick. But so it is on. fed and it's some delicious. Egg, banana, banana and oats. Yeah, You've made a you blend them up or some kind. When they, a biscuit would need flour as well. You haven't made a pancake. You've made squash, squash banana <laughs> muesli. <laughs> no, you blend it up. You don't. You don't like pour it in as that. Like you put it in a. Um, you put it in a blender, and the egg. Cre- Trust me. Like it. 
you would not know the difference. It tastes a little bit banana-y, but apart from that, <laughs> you won't know <laughs> the difference. Uh, they're absolutely fantastic. It's, it's, I've noticed in the world of health, when any, any, ever, anybody ever says you won't notice the difference, here's what I can guarantee. You will notice the fucking difference. <laughs> no, not with this one. Like it, the the batter tastes like batter. You've taken three things that would have been delicious by themselves for breakfast and ruined them by combining them. That's what the story is so far. And you certainly haven't had pancakes. (laughs) I definitely did have pancakes, and they're very good. You need to call them something else, like mancakes or something like that, so that they're not actually pancakes. You've got to have a different name for them, so that people know they're pancake-like, but they're not actually pancakes. They're cakes cooked in a pan. Oh, is that all that? counts to be a pancake so if i cook like a, a chocolate self-sourcing pudding in a pan is that a pancake i guess so does it come out sort of flat or is it going to raise oh, like it has to pudding? be flat now you didn't just say it had had to be flat a minute ago you just said it was cooked in a pan now you're making up rules well, on the fucking in, fly no i'm just saying if it comes out looking like a pudding or a cake then that's a cake or a pudding but if it comes out flat looking like a pancake i'd call it a pancake okay. i mean haven't you ever heard the phrase flat as a pancake yeah that doesn't mean that everything is it doesn't mean it's flat, therefore it is a pancake. It just means no, it's flat but it's the same a, a as defining, a pancake. But, <laughs> but if you're using that expression as your rule, that means that anything. So, say for example, um, oh, my basketball is flat as a pancake. It doesn't then necessarily mean that your basketball is a pancake. If on Shrove Tuesday no. you you served up somebody a deflated basketball, that wouldn't count as a pancake. <laughs> but I also think that if you were at a restaurant. And you ordered a pancake, you ordered a chocolate pancake, and someone comes up and delivers you a flat chocolate disc, and you eat it, and you're like, oh, that's a delicious pancake, and you're like, ha, that was actually a flat pudding. <laughs> so but first, so you could be forgiven for thinking firstly, it was a pancake. What is this restaurant where they're pranking me? <laughs> where at the end of my meal, they go, ha, you ate something you didn't order. Secondly, if I was at a restaurant, and they were going to serve pancakes, I would want flour in them. So they would have to say in the description, they are, you know, flourless pancakes at the very least. Do you ever worry that maybe you're too close-minded? The way you dismiss my meals without actually having tried them first. Like, I'm going to make you some of my banana pancakes. In fact, I'll make both and I guarantee... I don't want you to. They sound disgusting. You won't know the difference. (laughs) They are amazing. They're so good. I feel like there's something about eating healthy that actually, like, you know, they say like having childbirth, there's some chemical that's released so that you can go through the pain of it again and have yeah. another child, sort of forget how bad it was. I think it's the same about being healthy. You forget. But it's not true because I still eat unhealthy as well. I eat both healthy and unhealthy. Like I had yesterday, I was at the bakery and I got myself a raspberry almond croissant and it was delicious, but wow. I still enjoy my banana It's got banana nuts pancakes. and berries in it. That's still kind of healthy. <laughs> right. So I have to go to the... All right. I had a honeycomb magnum last night. Does that meet your criteria for eating absolute garbage? It does, actually. And, and to be honest, you, I didn't really enjoy it. Yeah, because your palate has been ruined by your pretend foods. They're not pretend. Mine have I, more I, real I, food I, in them than yours. I'm guessing a honeycomb magnum would also be disgusting for someone who lived in a gulag for five years, but... <laughs> Do you think it would be? If you hadn't had like sugar, yeah, yeah, you're right. If you hadn't had sugar or chocolate, it might be just a bit overwhelming. One of the interesting ones on Survivor, I always find, is that because, you know, some of their treats are food-related treats, and often Mm. they will be really like snack foody sort of foods, and uh, you always think, oh, after you've been out there for 30 days living on rice and like, you know, fish and coconut and stuff... Do you really want Hungry Jacks? You know, do you really want a, you know, a big <laughs> that, That's going to be donuts? your first one. I feel like that's not really going to work. Whereas what they'll tend to buy, I've often found if they have like a reward challenge and they have like an opportunity to actually pick their own food, jars mm. of peanut butter. For whatever reason, huh. if you are starving, I guess it's like high protein and it's easy to kind of consume and it probably doesn't, you know, go through you or whatever. But that seems to be the go-to energy source if you get to buy your own food, a jar of peanut butter. I'll give you another recipe, Will, that's probably going to make you angry. But again, it's delicious. It's uh, They're brookies, so brownie cookies. And the ingredients are basically mashed banana. Mm. 200 grams of peanut butter. It's like, what can we turn into food that the baby will also eat? That's what we're eating now. <laughs> Mashed banana, peanut butter, coconut flour, a little bit of salt, 
and you blend that up with some baking powder and you make these, it's like banana bread cookies and they are so good. They are so good. And that is predominantly peanut butter. Peanut butter is a fantastic uh, fuel source. You can put it in a lot of different stuff and it does... It's a malleable texture if you're looking for sort of like cakey or cookie type things. Yeah, I make those actually, but in a pan, so I call them pancakes. <laughs> when I did that men's health thing and I was like, that was hardcore. Like I wasn't even having banana pancakes or anything. It was like just, you know, boiled chicken and, and broccoli. The first thing I ate when I came off that was went to donut time and got like three of their high, high crazy donuts and it was it's kind of like you were talking a few weeks ago about not having caffeine for a while and just like realizing withdrawals it was kind of like i'd been clean of heroin and then i just took a massive like shot and almost gave myself a heart attack it was just too much i remember actually getting kind of sugar sweats and headachey and the mood swing was so noticeable like i was like rocketing for like 25 minutes and then the crash was so kind of like uh, like the worst come down you've ever had in your entire life. It's like, oh, sugar's a, sugar's a drug, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, all right. Okay, so uh, Jemmy okay, yelled pancakes. at this man. Yeah, oh, pancakes, yeah, so that's okay, what so, we're up to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Jemmy yelled at the man. Um, so both wake up kind of grumpy. Um, I'm like, I'm going to redeem this because i got flowers coming at 8 a.m. because I specifically went to the place the day before and gave them specific instructions on how to deliver it. So I'm making the pancakes and, uh, you know, Iona, Gemma gets Iona out and in the high chair and everything's going along. And I'm just, you know, casting a look down, you know, to the, to the gate, just, you know, 8.15, then 8.20, 8.30, 8.45. And I'm like, shit. I'm like, how long do I play this game? Because at some point, you know... I either go like I, you know, so I try and call the florist. I go to the pretend I'm going to the bathroom. I call the florist. No answer. Mother's Day. I'm assuming they're just flat out. So I'm like, ah, like do I, do I say, oh, you know, should I just come clean or whatever? So I thought I'd just wait a bit longer. It gets to nine o'clock, and then I'm like, oh. finally, Jem's like, ah, well, it's Mother's Day, and I'm like, well, you know what? I'd organise something. I'd actually organize something that hasn't happened. I'm really annoyed. And she's like, what, what? And I was like, oh, let me give them a call them again. So I called them again. And this time I got on to them. And I was like, hey, it's Charlie. Uh, I did a booking online. I came to see you guys yesterday about getting it delivered. And she's like, oh, no, you said you're going to come pick it up. And I was like, no, I didn't. I specifically gave you instructions on where to deliver it. Remember me telling you how to find the gate, how to find the apartment? Do you remember me telling you that? And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, we could maybe put it out at uh, the next delivery. And I'm like, no <laughs> like bring it now you're fucking ruining my morning and so anyway long story short i uh i blew up at them too <laughs> and then the guy came very apologetic. i actually felt bad when the guy about 20 minutes because they are oh, just around the corner about 20 minutes later when the guy arrived he was very apologetic and i in that 20 minutes i had a lot of shame <laughs> wash over me it was like why did i blow up at them it's not that big a deal uh, and Gemma got the flowers. I was very happy. And then, um, well, part I'd of the reason of... part of the reason you blew up at them was because you'd made your own bed, and now you had to lie. Yes, <laughs> like exactly. because you had to make sure you looked like you were very angry about them not arriving because you had raised the stakes so unrealistically the night before. Oh, yeah, I mean, it is my own fault. I must admit. I mean, because I, when I gave Gem the flowers, she was like, if you hadn't said anything, it would have been fine. I would have been none the wiser. And I was like, no, because I said to you last night that I hadn't got you anything. And then you mentioned it again this morning. And she's like, oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. So I had managed to work myself into, into some kind of state. But I don't know. I mean, am I justified in yelling at them? I did specifically go to see them yesterday to say, please deliver them. This is how you deliver them. And then for them, the same woman, I know it was the same woman because she was the one who answered the phone. For her to say to me, oh, no, you said you're going to keep come. Don't fucking lie to me. <laughs> Don't lie to me. Like you're covering your ass. I was there. Well, I was there. But- there is a possibility that she might have written it down wrong or any of those sort of things. <laughs> but the, the, the fault is at their end because there is no logical reason you would go into a place ask to come and pick it up and then explain them how to get into your house it makes no sense <laughs> yeah so uh i've turned over a new leaf i've decided that today 
today's just going to be all about being tolerant and just being chill and just not losing it. I mean, in those instances, Will, I, I mean, I know what the answer is going to be because I know who you are. Would you have said anything in either instance when the guy cut in front of you in line, when they fuck up your order and try and put it back on you, say it's your fault? Would you, do you, do you get angry at all? Do you even let off, let off a little bit of steam? No, probably not, is the, is the real answer. If asked to, on behalf of somebody else, I'm happy to do it. Like, I'm actually quite good at getting... Like a goon. Yeah, I can be... <laughs> You're like a goon in a hockey team. I can be angry for hire, no doubt. Yeah, I can right. be righteous on behalf of others. So if somebody else has had something done to them and they need somebody to get on the phone and, and do some you know, good old-fashioned... Because I'm pretty good in an argument and I'm pretty light on my toes yeah. in that situation. And I can find... You know, it's just like a roast of a stranger. I can find some ways yeah. to really destroy a person, which is part of the reason that I try not to get involved in these things in the first place. Because I know, much like a guy who's got yeah. a black belt in karate in a bar fight, if you get involved in the fight, it's going to end with you killing somebody mm. else. And I don't want to get involved <laughs> in that situation. Um, but also, I just, yes, I would tend to just let it go, even in situations where perhaps the right thing would be to say something. So I probably err too far the other side, generally. Mm. I mean, I don't know if... I would like to think of myself as being like that. And there's other situations in which I don't say anything. You know, like I I often, am, you know, when friends of mine are getting upset about something i'm always the one who's like urging moderation and you know maybe uh seeing something from someone else's point of view you know even when i had that fucking blow up with my crazy neighbor part of me was still like well you know what's her story how has she arrived at that but there is this side of me which i i i don't know if it, it's happened before the baby where it's just like i need to let off these little bursts of steam. I've got friends. I've got a friend, um, Nick, who who thinks I'm way too passive. He's like, you've got to let this shit out. Like, you can't. He said, there is nothing wrong with. He said, it's not about harassing anyone or being malicious, but firmly standing your ground and stating your place. And if you feel like you have been wronged, you can express that, and that is completely fine. That is that is as long as you are not hurting anyone or being out of line or 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 or, or, or being cruel then you are well within your rights to stand up for yourself if you feel you've been aggrieved. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know. And I think that is probably is, is a healthy thing. As long as it, as long as it is that though. Also, yeah, American definitely. Because it's like when you go to a restaurant in America for the first time and the people with you, everyone around the ta- corner, uh, around the table will just say, I'm going to have this, but I'm not going to have this. And I'm going to get you to add this. And the, like, the waiter just writes it all down. And that's what they do. In Australia, if you went into the restaurant and said, do you have any salt? They might spit in your food and throw you on the street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's more the fact that like, with America, as an Australian, when you're in America, you get so you think that someone is having a go at you, but then you quickly realize, oh no, they it's just like little release valves. They just need to vocalize how they feel about something. Like if I had been the guy cutting in line, it's most likely that someone would have been like, "Hey, buddy," you know, da 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 da, and you'll cop it. But then that person will never. It'll just be what water for ducks back. They just need to express that thing, and I think in a lot of ways. I think that's not a bad thing. I think maybe I do go around carrying a lot of stuff, which if I just expressed it, but because the problem I think for me is that I sit on this shit and I, you know, the majority of the time I do just kind of try and be the bigger man. And then something that is completely unremarkable, like someone fucking up their livery order. And that's what gets me angry. You know, I probably, I should, probably should righteously reserve my anger for, for, for real issues. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think it has to do with the hurt that it causes others. So I, my personal opinion is I think there is something healthy in saying what is a grieved you, but you don't want to fuck up somebody else's. Like, you know, the woman at the florist has fucked up your day a little bit, but at the same time, there'd be a part of you going, oh, it's Mother's Day. I can't imagine the amount of orders that they have to deal with on Mother's Day, probably even more so this year than they previously would because people are sending flowers to their mums rather than being able to go and visit their mums they've probably got all these different procedures that they have to put in place around this time about mm. social distancing and how they deliver flowers and everything's harder than harder than it would ordinarily be at that time they're doing a lot more phone orders there aren't people picking things out in shop there's a lot more you know ability to be confused in that scenario so yeah. there'd just be a lot of me going i want to understand you know this woman's world before i get angry but in the moment 
Yeah, they've 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 fucked you up. Like you're the one who's suffering the consequences of their fuck up. I think it's also when the motivations can be uh, clearly identified as an attempt to pull one over you or you know lie to you or whatever. That's probably justified but you know the guy cutting in online i think he genuinely just wasn't thinking he genuinely just thought everyone's milling out the front waiting for their orders and he's never been there before you know uh it was not his fault it was the fact that the hillsong guys had taken so fucking long they had worked me to a point where that was just the straw that broke the camel's back because when i yelled at him he was genuinely apologetic he you know it wasn't like he was like oh fuck you blah 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 but you are, there are occasions when you know someone's lying to you, you know, a hire car place or whatever, or, or someone is lying to you, or a waiter has forgotten your order and is trying to pretend like they haven't, that kind of stuff. That's, you know, and I sort of find that, like with that neighbor when I had that big blow up, I'd been so aware of what was going on. Like I was aware that a conflict was coming. I even, you know, before the big blow up happened, I was sitting there in my room coaching myself to be like, She's going to do something. Just don't react. Just don't take the bait. But couldn't help it. Like, just couldn't help it. Push the buttons. And I think that it's it's even when you are acutely aware, like you're sort of saying that you can be a you can be a, a, a goon for hire. Whereas for me, I don't think I can do that because I get too emotional. Like it triggers something inside me where I lose sort of sight of what I'm actually like. A goon for hire has a specific point. You need to get this result. You know, they're going to refund your money. They're going to deliver this. Whereas when I get into it, it's like fucking burn it all to the ground. <laughs> like I will, I will kill you. I will kill me. I will take all of us out. I'm just going to pull the pin out of this grenade and stand here screaming <laughs> until we're all so, gone. So you turn into what Dave Anthony is like most of the time. Yeah. You go in with a scalpel. I go in with a fucking Gatling gun. <laughs> Yeah, you have a John Wick, they killed my dog, disproportionate <laughs> response to the situation. Well, have you ever, like, before you got into comedy, did you have any part-time jobs where you had, like, a tyrant of a boss, like a kind of boss who would yell at you for no reason or anything like that? No, I had a really good boss at the newspaper, so that was, he was actually a really excellent boss. Um, uh, then when I was working... Uh, at the Herald Sun at the HWT my boss there was really good I was terrible at my job so he was actually in retrospect probably a really good boss because <laughs> I was a terrible employee and he was still quite supportive and you know even when I quit after six months of doing nothing essentially six months of coming in and just getting on the phone and not achieving anything I then have the temerity to walk in the office and quit you know before they get the opportunity to fire me and he was still quite encouraging and has kept in touch over the years um my dad was my boss at high school and he was quite good at being a boss on the farm. He wasn't like a bossy boss. Uh, but would you agree that I had? would you agree that, that that thing about you, you know, catch more flies with honey than with vinegar? Like when you are if you want results, if you need to motivate someone, there is a level of, you know, you need to have authority, but it is much better to be nurturing or or, or a um what's the word? Um you need to be more understanding of that person. You need to be, realize that different things motivate different people. Well, okay. Yeah, I'll give you an example because I couldn't think of any of me having a boss because I, mm. I, I've never really had a bad boss, but I have. I am a boss. So um, at Gruen, I'm the executive producer of the show and it means that you have to do bossy things, you know, as in like things that are the responsibility of the person in charge. And I have two very distinct approaches. One is catch more flies with honey although I'm not in the fly catching business generally that expression mm. bothers me actually because I don't want to catch flies either with honey or vinegar and secondly I'd to be honest you'll catch more flies with honey but I don't want to waste my honey I'd rather waste vinegar and keep the honey for a cup of tea or you know, I something eat the else honey. Yeah, exactly. My we're not going to kill as many because I am a bear. I am, I am Winnie the Pooh. I'm Willie the Pooh. So um, when it comes to people who essentially have a title that is less than my title, so someone that I'm technically in charge of, um, very much the, you know, encouragement you know re reframing things that have gone wrong explaining why you know their idea we might have to change something or you know all those sort of things and i tend to find that we get 
extremely good results with that approach you know let, letting people trying to pick good people and then giving them the guidance encouragement to be, do their best to me is the best result um but when it comes to people above me often i will take the more sort of you know a bit more aggressive or a bit more harsh approach so i have two distinct approaches one for people who are kind of below me on the chain and then one for people above where it is a little bit more antsy and direct and demanding sometimes but that makes more sense and like if you're talking about taking into account the person you're talking to when choosing how you're going to react then it it, it, it makes absolute sense to be gentler with people who are looking to you uh, for advice or guidance or mentorship, you're in a position of authority because they are more vulnerable. They are more inclined to take things more, sen- to be more sensitive to your feedback. Whereas someone who is in a position above you has a thicker skin, probably needs you to be more direct, probably needs you to be more specific. They don't need kid gloves. So that makes 100% sense. Like I've had a few part time jobs where I've had terrible bosses whose attempts to motivate you are through intimidation and bullying like you know when i used to work in the video store and i ended up getting on with this guy in the end but when i first started there it was he would do weird things like um he would park across the road from the store without telling us and just watch us like through the window to see if we were you know cleaning the shelves when it was quiet you know if we were just sitting around and chatting and stuff and he would come in and just like, I remember I'd only been working there like a month and it was like, we'd had a rush, you know, normally there's like a pre-dinner rush or whatever. Mm. And then it was quiet. And so we were sort of chatting and there's a couple of chores you do when it's quiet. Like, you know, back in those days, you'd rewind tapes or whatever. And he came in and he just went through like the four employees in the store for not doing enough. And I remember after he left, the reaction was like, well, if he thinks we weren't putting pulling our weight then is really going to be pissed off when we don't pull our weight now because all it made us want to do was just kind of conceal like our uh uh when we weren't working we just kind of got clever at working out when we just kept started keeping an eye out can you see his mercedes parked across the road or you know when's he coming in wording each other up you know it, we just got more duplicitous in in, in how we worked yeah uh, you, what you've done sir is you may have got rid of the cobwebs on the dvd cases but you have uncovered a web of lies a secret <laughs> organization a dark web of your employees who are now all plotting against you he was also that classic kind of employee uh, employer that david brentes thing where i think before he owned a chain of video stores he used to play in bands so he still had that element of uh thinking he was a, a rock and roller like he was still a kind of, a, a kind of a cool guy because at the christmas party <laughs> I just remembered this now. The Christmas party, he would get his band back together and he'd play for us. And it was like, you know, 20, 30-odd employees from all these five stores would have to sit in this bar and listen to our boss get up on stage and recapture the glory years with his old band. <laughs> he'd play like cold chisel covers and stuff. Fucking hell. No wonder we'd steal from the till. <laughs> Um, I always try to offer criticism with encouragement, but sometimes if we're in a meeting or whatever and like, you know, we need to move on or we need to move on from the point, eventually it's just got to get to the point where, you know, you sort of say, we've got to move on. And one that I get mocked for, it's become a bit of a, a cliche in our office to explain my leadership style is one day in a meeting of, we were talking about a topic and they said, what do you think, Will? And I said, it's a bit boring so far. And everybody, everybody remembers that just because I felt the need to add so far just to soften the blow. Like, yeah, nice. Oh, yeah, you know what? It might be about to get really interesting, but it's a bit boring so far. My tactic whenever I'm working with someone, a contractor or whatever like that, um, is always two compliments and then a criticism. So if someone says, hey, could you have a read of this? Have a look at this. Here's a cut of something. What do you think of this? And if I don't like it, I'm always like, I'll find two things that I do like. Like, oh yeah, you know, that's a, that's a really interesting premise. Uh, I love how it opens, but you know, maybe you should look at this. Because when Jim and I- Here's my got, two compliments. It's a movie and I like movies. Now on to your movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, when Jim and I first started dating, because she was an artist back in the day. And so she was often like creating bits of artwork, drawings and, and things like that. And I don't know- where this attitude had come from but she would show me something and i would very honestly say whether i liked it or not and you know 
I, I, I will put my hand up and say I am not a sophisticated appreciator of, of fine art. <laughs> like often, you know, I've got very shallow aesthetics. So she'd show me something and if I didn't like it, I'd bluntly say I didn't like it. And Jen would be like so crushed. And she's like, you got to understand, like when someone is creating something, like it's an artistic pursuit, it's not like, you know, they're crunching numbers and they want you to have a look over the figures to make sure if they add up. They're showing you something that has come from somewhere deeper. You can't just fucking dismiss it by saying you don't like it because that's a subjective response. Part of the reason they're sharing it with you is it's like, you know, it's something that they want to connect with you. So just try and try a little harder. <laughs> so it's like, oh, yeah, you know, maybe I need to be nicer to my friends when they, you know, show me their writings or their music or their artwork and not just fucking bluntly go, I don't get it. I don't like it. It looks dumb. To me. Is there a chance that you need to employ this approach with the dude at line at the croissant shop, at the bakery? Because maybe you should yes. have gone the two compliments and then the bit of helpful feedback. <laughs> you should have been like, firstly, mate, admire your choice in bakeries. This is one of the best bakeries around. I can understand the rush to get in there. Secondly, great shirt. Just love that shirt. Looks good on you. I hope you're having a really good time during these hard times. Speaking of these hard times, there's a fucking line, dude. <laughs> I was just trying to think if I could have picked two compliments to give that guy. What would have been the compliments was, off the top of your head if you had to come well, up with two compliments? For well, him, the, I think I, I, I think the yeah, definitely the, the bakery is a great one. But if I had to give two other compliments, it'd be like, um, uh, well done to get into the store in front of all these people. Like, oh, really, not, you're just not very nimble. Not a compliment. It is. No. No, I'm just saying, I'm commenting no, with no. Criticism dressed us up as a compliment. What you've just done there is you have just gone, you have put banana and fucking oats into a pancake and tried to convince us it's a fucking pancake. It is not, an, so it's it is a, not a compliment. It is a criticism dressed as a compliment. Too passive aggressive, you think? Mm, yeah. Ah, okay. yeah. Firstly, I'd um, like to compliment you on being the biggest cunt on this block. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be my next one. Well done. Uh, you are a massive dickhead. <laughs> the biggest dickhead I've ever seen if they so, were having a competition for the world's biggest dickhead you would be number one world's best yeah. dickhead here's your mug I see uh, I assume that's your girlfriend there congratulations on finding someone to love you you fucking cunt <laughs> you unlovable shit of a human uh, well done for tricking that lady into offering you some kind of affection. If she has if she has sex with you, then even double congratulations for fooling her into thinking that your micro penis can give her any kind of physical pleasure. Okay, so that's my two compliments done. On to the insults. <laughs> I honestly could not think of two compliments to give this guy. He was not well dressed. He did not seem particularly cool. Uh, there's nothing about him that was likable. He was just, if anything. My approach would have been like, he's a babe in the woods. It's like seeing Encino Man. Mm. Encino Man walked up to the front of the queue. He's not mm. familiar with the customs of this age. Mm. You know, he just saw food, so he walked to the front of the line. And so I can't be mad at Encino Man. He I'm just trying woke to up from the ice. I'm, tr I'm trying to walk a mile in your shoes, mate, and understand you. And I've immediately jumped to the fact that you are an Encino Man. And the only way I can forgive you behavior right now is to imagine you as a primitive man who has suddenly woken up in this time if that is true then congratulations and kudos to you sir now would you like me to play you some hip hop and show you what a skateboard is <laughs> uh, alright it's going to be a shorter episode today so why don't we go to the mailbag yes. Will um, if anyone wants to send us uh, some regular mail, you can at uh, emailtofop at gmail.com. Uh, also, if you'd like to uh, support the show, uh, the best way to do that is at patreon.com forward slash tofop. So we did a, um, a live Instagram live uh, you know, bonus Instagram episode uh, yesterday when we were recording this, which seemed to go quite well. So we might do some more of those in the future. So we should tell people about those as well. Yeah. Now, apparently you can save those videos. I, I, I could have saved it and uploaded it to our Instagram TV channel, but I didn't know how to do it until after the fact. So it was up on my story for a brief time yesterday. But uh, for anyone who didn't see it, I apologize. But next time we do one, we'll um, we'll put it on Instagram TV or something like that. Uh, but yes, Patreon's the best way to support the show. Uh, there's a whole bunch of bonus content up there every couple of weeks we do an exclusive Patreon letters episode. So if you want to uh, join Patreon and send us a letter, you can be in the running to win our brand new uh, prize, which is uh, the uh, 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 We Keep You Laughing 
we keep them laughing so they give you living fridge magnets. Um, they haven't arrived yet. I assume if they don't arrive this week, I'll be on the phone angrily yelling at someone. <laughs> Uh, but here we go. Here's a regular mail from Terence. Uh, two colon flop. A long time, first time. Time for another tantalizing toe flop tidbit. Not sure this will count as tantalizing, but I have a few thoughts. I'm writing this while watching episodes five and six of The Last Dance. As a Chicagoan born and bred, Chicagoan? Chicago? Chicagoan? Chicago? Chicago? As a Chicagoan born and bred, hearing anyone outside Chicago, let alone outside of the US, talk about Jordan's Bulls is fascinating uh, fascinating to me. Anyway, well, before we go on to this letter, probably worth stating that Michael Jordan was the most famous athlete in the world, and the Chicago Bulls for that period of time were probably the most famous team in the world. So be shocked yes, no but more. also I, I will say that we had a particular connection because Luke Longley played... Oh, yeah. With the Bulls for a yeah, period of that time, and uh, he, he being the first prominent Australian to play at that level of success in the uh, NBA, also I think meant that in Australia we were particularly interested in the Bulls. Anyway, a few questions. First off, Charlie, are you saying awesome anytime you think something's awesome? If so, is this some kind of deep plot to get Will to think awesome and Clawson rhyme? If not, maybe I'm just hearing things, or they do actually sound enough like to rhyme. Or I miss some kind of joke that you would say Orson forever in episode 15 or something. Occasionally, I drop into Orson, um, but generally I say awesome, and they do sound similar. They both sound a lot like Clawson, wouldn't you say, Will? No, I'd say that Orson sounds like Clawson, and I would say that awesome. But again... You know, you're a man who thinks that pancakes can exist without flour, so you're also a man who can think that awesome, <laughs> awesome and awesome sound the same. Secondly, I had an argument with my mom when she was staying. Oh, I would not be I'm... happy if people. I would not be happy if people started calling me William. <laughs> sounds close enough. No, thank you. Does not. Secondly, I had an ag- argument with my mom when she was staying a weekend with me when I put up one of my dogs. When I put one of my dog's poops in a neighbor's bin, she said that I shouldn't use another person's bin to put my dog's poop in. But my argument is that all the city's bins say property of the city of Chicago on it. So don't I pay taxes for this privilege? No. No. You individually pay taxes for the privilege of your own bin. But just because they say property of the city of Chicago, they don't put the, the ownership of the bin over to you. I mean, I'm sure it's the same in Australia. I'm sure that I don't own my bin. Does lo- or, or do I own my bin? No. Because you bought one from the local council. No, 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 no. Do no. they still own it? They, no, they still own they, it. They, they just, just sent you one, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, look, my, my philosophy on this is if it's out on the street, it's fair game. Like if someone is so lax, they leave their council bin out in the nature strip. They're just asking for it, mate. Just asking for it. You can't be out there just look, flaunting your bin about. Look at it. All dressed up with its red lid, inviting <laughs> just, me over to it. To dump my, to dump my filth in it. Uh, anyway, I've been painting my house the last few weeks during Corona quarantine and luckily had 50 odd back episodes to listen to of you both in order to pass the time. Oh, God, that's a weird sentence. Luckily, had 50... You, can, I, can I say this? Yeah. Can I ask you this? Yes. Do you think that the movie The Irishman has caused any trouble to people who are just house painters? <laughs> because that is... Like, if you now are down the pub and somebody asks you what you do and you say, well, I actually paint houses, do people now think that you are a hit man for hire? Uh, I'd say that there's... Yeah, if anyone who's seen The Irishman, I've only... I've not even seen The Irishman and I know what you're talking about. So I would say... I would say yes. Um, okay. If you think uh, this deserves a fridge magnet, I'm more than happy to pay for the postage. Well, if you sent this to our Patreon, then you potentially could be in the running for a fridge magnet, but you've sent it to the wrong email, mate. Um, we will. If you have sent it to our Patreon, we'll get to it probably in six months' time, but we, we will get to it. And we will have forgotten that, <laughs> until I make the same joke about the Irishman. And then we'll be like, oh, I think we've read this before. <laughs> Lastly, this is silly, but a small business shout out. Lucky Dog Doggy Daycare in Chicago, Illinois. If any teabaggers happen to be from the north neighborhoods of Chicago, the woman who runs the business, Bonnie, has been affected by the shutdown, but is still open for business and is the one person I trust wholeheartedly with my kids, in brackets, my dogs. If you shout her out, I'm sure she would be ecstatic that she could call herself internationally known. Cheers, Terrence. Well, there you go. That's Lucky Dog Doggy Daycare in Chicago, Illinois. Go drop... Well, I mean, it seems like America's opening up anyway, but, uh, you know, if you've got somewhere to take your dog, 
go there. Yeah, well, I will say this too. Chicago, have you ever been to Chicago? Have you no. been to Chicago? No. Uh, one of the greatest cities in the world. One of the real underrated, for whatever reason, Chicago, the city, does not get as much play as in New York's and LA and San Francisco and those sort of cities in Australia, I think. But in regard to being a great American city, I think Chicago is right in the top list of cities. I had so much fun when I was in Chicago. I just thought it was, an, and not just because they filmed The Dark Knight there and everywhere that you walk around, you basically are just walking through the set of The Dark Knight, which does make it exciting. But the comedy scene there is fucking amazing. There was heaps of people that came out to the shows, but just the city itself is fantastic. Um, would I be right in saying, it's, it, to me, it looks and feels like Melbourne when I see it on film and in TV and stuff. Does it have that Melbourne vibe, sort of cold and gritty, yeah. urban it's got a New Yorky vibe as well. New York, right. yeah. If New York and Melbourne had a baby, Chicago would be that baby. All right. David writes in, backing up with a trailer. Hi, Tofop. I was listening to your latest episode with Charlie describing trying to back up a trailer, referring it to witchcraft. Funny story. Back in 2000, I was a cop and I was at a big chemical spill job when I was in my first year in the job. In front of a lot of people, including media, I was asked to reverse the police van which had attached a kind of all-encompassing crime scene rig with witch hats and signs, etc., etc. As I didn't want to point out that I wasn't confident doing this, I felt I should give it a go. <laughs> no story that begins with that ends well. Long story short, I ended up jackknifing the trailer and causing quite a bit of laughter with everyone that was there. I wish I could remember the aftermath, but I feel I must have blocked it out as I don't remember what happened next. I am no longer a police officer. Love the show. <laughs> I'm going to go grab a Tofop shirt for my bin emptying in the future. David. Uh, speaking of... I, I, I like to think that those two things go together in that I can't remember what happened next. I'm no longer a police officer. <laughs> yeah. Like that there's no gap in between those two things. <clears throat> um, uh, he said he's going to go grab a T-shirt. You should all go grab a T-shirt. Go to redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash Mr. Foz. Uh, Foz sent us a lovely message yesterday to say that in the two weeks that we have been promoting uh, the Redbubble merch, he's seen double the amount of sales to this time last year. So thank you to everyone because uh, that is a great way to support the show to get something back in return as well because whatever you buy is a discount on the services that Foz gives us, which uh, is money that we get to keep that we can then get to um, spend on things like uh, bananas and oats and, and eggs so we can make delicious pancakes. For all. One day, one day Charlie might be able to afford flour. If enough people sign up to our Patreon, Charlie will can, can afford some flour and make some actual pancakes. Uh, last one here is from Socrates. Socrates? Socrates. S-O-K-R-A-T-I-S. Socrates? Socrates. Socrates? Socrates. 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 We'll call him Socrates. Uh, Socrates. Yeah. Hey, Tofop. Hey guys, long time listener, first time emailed. I was listening to your discussion with productions for television stopping and about uh, the decline of Aussie content. I tend to disagree that there is a decline of truly Australian stories. I mean, one only needs to look at shows like Stateless, The Hunting and all the amazing comedies on the ABC. I mean, sure, Ryan Core pretty much appears in 95% of local content, but it's a small price to pay. <laughs> Ooh, a little drive-by to Ryan oh, Core. boy. Um, the question is I've got is uh, Charlie why does Ryan steal all your roles are there any other Australians you think um, could probably give a few roles a rest well I think anyone who appeared in that um, uh, Love is in the Air could probably afford to turn down a few roles <laughs> you know maybe it's a bit of give back to the community after that <laughs> <laughs> um, I, look, I, I agree. I, I, I'm not saying that Australia doesn't make great content. Uh, all those shows you just mentioned were made pre-corona, by the way. I think what Will and I were getting at is that um, the government may use this as an opportunity. They've already uh, got rid of local content quotas. Um, a lot of networks have pulled development on a bunch of different shows. So I think what we were worried about is what the landscape of Australian entertainment will look like in 12 months' time. Also, I'd like to have a look at, I don't know off the top of my head, but I'd like to have a look at those productions and see which of them had international partners because a few of those sound like they would be productions that would have only been made because they already had international partners on those on those productions, I would think. I would say Stateless 100% because it has an yep. international cast. The Hunting, maybe not so much, but... Like we were Maybe. saying, like we were saying last week, generally, there just isn't the money for uh, Australian production companies to produce things on their own here. Like, it's not just about producing it. You, the way you apply for funding 
in Australia through Screen Australia or a local state funding body is that you have to guarantee distribution. You've got to say, well, we've already sold this in you know, the US, we've sold this in Europe or whatever. So generally you partner with a foreign production company to uh, help you uh, access sales agents. So did you find something on that? Uh, yeah, no, there doesn't. I can't see anything immediately about it being. Um, it's screen. It's screen Australia. It was a screen Australia. Uh, yeah, the hunting. Yeah, look, having gone through the screen Australia system a number of times, I I can almost guarantee that there would be some kind of foreign sales or uh, foreign production required for both those things. So, look. I think Australia makes great stuff when when money and time is put into it. But our concern is that um, the government's given themselves an out to support the local film and TV industry. With the, the, the no quota thing is a real concern. And now that they've done it, they're just going to hope that people forget about it. That's my concern. Yeah, absolutely. Great. I'm Charlie Clawson. <laughs> I'm Lenson. <laughs> This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you.